of the God Win series. We've been looking at the book of Revelation for 14 weeks. It started last year. And this is a big book, and I know that, man, this is a lot of sermons to take in. Um, and that's why we broke them up. We do them kind of at eight-week sections at a time, and in between those sections, uh, we, I do something else or we have somebody else in the pulpit. Uh, but this is number 14, and we've been seeing how Jesus reacts to end-time events. And we've, we've seen the, the seven letters to the ancient churches in, in Asia Minor. We've seen the rapture of the church. We've seen um, the scroll with seven seals, and those seals were broken. The first seal was broke before uh, horsemen of the apocalypse come out. The first one's riding a white horse. He has a bow with no arrows. Um, he comes as a conqueror to, to, uh, he comes as a conqueror to, to conquer. Uh, it's a seven year period of great tribulation. And during that seven year period, God pours out judgment because he's, his plan is, is redeeming creation, redeeming humanity. And we've been through those things. We've, we've seen a great war erupt up in heaven about three and a half years into the seven year tribulation, the devil's kicked out. The Bible says in Revelation 12, 12, therefore rejoice you heavens and you who dwell in them, in the heavens, but woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has gone down to you. He's been kicked out. He's filled with fury because he knows his time is short. And last week we found out that that's the one thing that the church has in common with the devil. Our time is short. We don't have much time to, to do what we need to do. Uh, because the the, uh, the end is near. Uh, the whole eviction of the devil being kicked out of heaven takes place halfway through the seven year tribulation. During that time, at that uh, during this tribulation, hell is unleashed on the earth. The church has been untethered from the earth and has ascended into heaven. Today, we're going to look at really of what the whole dynamic of what the end time world will look like because it will be ran by the antichrist the devil uh, the devil is being held back now by the prayers of the saints the church but when the church is removed man hell's uh, hell is unleashed and when when this happens there's one who arises called the antichrist i don't know his name i wish i knew his name but i don't know his name and um, he will come and he will he'll bring this world peace it'll be a fake peace a fragile peace but it'll be peace i think he'll bring uh, economics I, I think the inflation will go away and people will be fed i think all these wonderful things will happen uh during that seven year tribulation all through uh demonic power uh the world's just going to embrace this person but i really want to look at this whole system that the antichrist operates in because it's a three chord system there is a religious side to it there is a political side to it and there is a uh economic side to it, a finance side, a commerce side to it. Brother Everett and Brother Ridge. Brother Ridge, we're going to miss you, dude, when you leave here in August, man. Oh, my gosh, we're going to miss you. Uh, and those things you're doing with Billy, those are incredible. By the way, if you've not watched Coffee with Billy, funny. It's incredible. It's, it's weird, uh, but it's funny. It's very weird. But I love it, you know. I love it. Uh, um, but uh, good job. Everett and Bill put this together, and this is our text for today. It's Revelation 13, but they do a really good job at it. Thank you, James. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, 
his throne and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshiped the dragon who, had, who gave authority to the beast, and they worshiped the beast saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is six, six, six. Amen. There are two different... Um, entities here that I that I really want to tweak today the third the, the first one I see is there is an unholy trinity of hell that's revealed in this text and the second one is there is an outpouring of the unholy spirit in this text and I, I just kind of want to unpack some of that today uh, Revelation 13 really reveals a a blaspheme against God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit that's the Holy Trinity God the Father God the Son the Holy Spirit you've heard that all your life uh, when the Antichrist comes, the Antichrist, the devil, uh, can only imitate what God does. The devil has never created squat. Uh, he can only counterfeit. 
he can only imitate. So when I tell you that there is an unholy trinity, he is imitating, counterfeiting what is actually in heaven. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In this text, there were actually three mentioned. There was the dragon. The dragon is Satan the Father, if you will, okay? Lowercase f. The beast from the sea, which is the Antichrist, a person, a living, breathing human being. Uh, that would be the devil, the son. That would be the devil incarnate, devil in the flesh. And then there's this beast uh, from the earth. This would be the devil, the unholy spirit. The devil is creating this satanic trinity that counterfeits what God does. And that's what the devil does. That, uh, that's what he's always done. Again, when we're dealing with the symbolism in this passage about a dragon from the sea and a dragon from the earth, I mean, say a beast from the earth and a beast from the sea and the dragon, these are all symbols. Now, the devil isn't any more a dragon than Israel is any more a woman or that the church is any more a literal bride. Uh, and this is hard to understand, but please don't let what you don't understand stop you from understanding more of this text. It's hard, but, but there are things in here that we can walk away from. Uh, don't let what you understand stop you from trying to understand as much as you can about this text. Revelation 13, verse 1 through 2. I want to uh, tweak this unholy trinity a little bit more. Revelation 13. And the dragon stood on the shore of the sea. Now, a couple weeks ago, we talked about a, an angel that came down from heaven, put one foot on the sea, one foot on the land. It represented authority, ownership. This is mine. So when the Antichrist is coming up from the sea, he, he is saying, okay, this, this is my place. Now he's wrong, but he's nevertheless, that's the image. And the Bible says, and I saw a beast, an Antichrist coming out of the sea. The sea, uh, to the first century mind, that would have been a sea of humanity. It came from the masses. It came from the nations, primarily Greek, uh, Gentile. Uh, so this Antichrist is coming from humanity. This is a living, breathing person. Has colds gets tired, gets hungry, this is a person. This one coming from out of the sea is a living, breathing death, a devil in the flesh. He had ten horns, seven heads, ten crowns on his horns, and each one had a, uh, had a blasphemous name. We're going to see in Revelation 17 that these seven hills may very well be the seven hills of Rome. I don't know. I'm not going to unpack all that now because we're going to do that in April. The beast I saw, this is the one thing I want you to get. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but he had feet like those of a bear and the mouth like that of a lion. John is using imagery that has actually been previously used in Scripture. Daniel, in the Old Testament, he has two visions about end-time kingdoms. Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7, he talks about this huge... Uh, statue built out of gold and bronze and, and iron and brass. But then it gets to Daniel 7 and he's still pulling out this same system telling us what's going to go down in the end times. But that image of the statue has actually now changed into a creature and it's no longer gold, black, uh, gold brass, iron, and uh, copper, whatever, I can't remember. Uh, but now he uses animals. Same image, but now he's using a different metaphor. And this is the interesting part. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions passed through his mind as he was laying in bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. Daniel said, in my vision at night I looked and there before me were four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. What we just saw in Revelation 13. What did it look like, Dan? Four great beasts, each different from the others, came out of the sea. Now, you can read the rest of Daniel 7. I'm, I'm, I'd encourage you to. But he mentions these same creatures that, Dan, that, that John just did. And every one of those creatures represent 
a fallen kingdom, an evil kingdom, an evil empire that has fallen. But the first century mind would have said, okay, I get it. I understand what to look for now. I understand what these, these places look like. Case in point, the leopard was a symbol of the Greek empire. The bear was the Medo-Persians. The bear symbol for that kingdom is was, there was a bear emerging with three ribs in his mouth. That bear represented that kingdom. First century people would have understood what that meant. Uh, a lion with eagle's wings represented Babylon. An eagle itself represented Rome. They understood all this. All of this is symbolism. All of this meant something to them. The dragon, the Bible says, the dragon, and who did we learn last week that the dragon was? You remember? The dragon was Satan. You have dragon, Satan the father, the beast from the sea, which is the Antichrist, Satan the son, Satan in the flesh. And then you have the beast from the earth, which is the unholy spirit. So we have this, we have this whole satanic trinity going on. And if you're wondering where the power comes from, the dragon, Satan, gave the beast, the Antichrist, gave him his power, his throne, and his great authority. That means something if you know what to look for. In the Holy Trinity, God the Father empowers God the Son. And the Holy Spirit empowers... <laughs> the Holy Spirit always points to Jesus, and Jesus always points to the Father. Whatever Jesus did was given to him by the Father. Whatever Jesus did was because that's what the Father wanted him to do. Look at this text. We just read the text about how the dragon gives the Antichrist his throne, his power, and his great authority. It comes from Satan the Father down to Satan the Son. Remember what I told you about the devil? He always counterfeits. 1 Corinthians 15, 27. For the rule and authority over all things has been given to Christ by his Father. Except, of course, Christ does not rule over the Father himself who gave him this power to rule. Do you understand what's going on? Jesus received all the power from the Father. The Antichrist would receive all the power from the dragon. Because that's the way it works. Upon the rapture of the church, the Antichrist immediately goes to work to bring the world on the same page. People are scared. There's been billions of people, Maria, during the rapture who've been removed from the earth. Can you imagine the planes and the medevac helicopters and the diesel trucks and the, the ships coming into port? All these things. Can you imagine... Of billions of people just suddenly vanishing. Man, the world is crazy. So, a world leader arises, brings a false peace. After all this happens, there's a peace deal brokered in the Middle East for the first time in a long time. Israel is at war with her enemies. There's been a third temple built at Jerusalem. Uh, by the way, this whole idea of the third temple, I dug into this a little bit today. You guys will be interested in this. Um, those who are in the know says, it will take anywhere between three and a half years to build the temple. And the Temple Institute said, we can do better than that. We can have a temple up in three days. Let's take that a little bit further. Isn't it ironic that that's the image of the resurrection of Jesus? I'll build the temple up in three days. I don't know if that, you know, I don't know. It's just all speculation, but it's pretty cool. Uh, the Antichrist. This 
Satan in the flesh. He's against God. By the way, the word anti is Greek. It means two things. It means against and it means instead of. So the Antichrist is against God and everything about God. And the Antichrist is saying, hey, you don't want God? Pick me instead. And that's exactly what happens. And Jesus prophesies that this is exactly what would happen. Uh, in fact, in John's gospel, Jesus said these words. He says, man, I've come, I've come in my Father's name and you do not accept me. There's one coming that will come in his own name and you will accept him. In John's gospel, Jesus is already pointing to Revelation 13. And the ones that the Antichrist can't force into worship, they will worship him voluntarily. They'll just buy into it, according to verse 8. The Antichrist will have this cult leader personality that draws people to him. He's going to come into the world in chaos, and he's going to bring order to it. What do you mean by that, Brother Mike? Well, the trains are going to run on time. Uh, it means that um, this fragile world peace is there. It's fragile, but it's peace. It means he's brought chaos, uh, order into chaos. And the world will give the devil what he's wanted since he was kicked out of heaven in the beginning. He will get what he's wanted ever since he said, I will ascend to the throne of the Most High. I will set up, on the, I will set up there. I will be like him. I will be holy. This is what he's always wanted. He's wanted people to worship him. And guess what he gets? He gets exactly what he wanted. Everybody worships him. 2 Thessalonians 2.4 He, Antichrist, will oppose and will exalt himself over everything. That is called God or his worship, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. The Antichrist will get that worship he's always wanted from people. And here's the thing, this Antichrist, again, he copies everything God does. I believe this Antichrist is either going to be assassinated, he's going to be cut down, somebody's going to take a shot at him, somebody's going to take a sword to him. Uh -huh. But I believe he's going to die. And I believe he will also be resurrected. Phony baloney, counterfeit resurrection. It's satanic. The devil can't do anything on his own. It's all counterfeit. But the Antichrist is going to echo Christ's death and resurrection. And by the way, church, the last time somebody in Israel died and was resurrected, we're still feeling the reverberation of that. That's why we're here today. Can you imagine what will happen if the Antichrist goes down the next, you know he's dead, the next day it's all over YouTube, it's all over the, it's all over the Internet. Y'all, that... That will get around the world in about seven seconds. Somebody sees something resurrected, y'all. That was the explosive power of the church. The reason people, the reason why the church exploded is, yes, the power of the Holy Spirit. But it was the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus out of the tomb. It took off, man. That's what you can, we won't be here. I don't think we'll be here. I think the rapture, I think the rapture will have already happened. But when people see the Antichrist resurrected, and they're going to say, oh, this must be, this is special. Brother Mike, where do you get that from? I'm going to give you more, but this is where I get it from. Revelation 13, 3. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound. Church, say fatal. Do you recover from a fatal wound? No. Nope, you did. Over everything, I'm sorry, uh, a fatal wound that had been healed. Okay. The whole world was astonished, and what did they do? They gave the dude exactly what he wanted to do when he left heaven. Everybody's worshiping him. The world has only assumed that this is the Savior, this is God, and the Antichrist. The Antichrist points people to the dragon. The Antichrist points people to Satan the Father. Just the way Jesus points to God the Father, and the way the Holy Spirit points to the way the Holy Spirit points to God the Son, same dynamic here. The false prophet points to the Antichrist, and the Antichrist points to the dragon. It is a very 
it's a counterfeit. I mean, if you understand one, you can understand the other. The Antichrist will point people to the dragon the way the Son points people to the Father. Let's talk about the outpouring of the unholy spirit, the beast of the earth. Standing next to the Antichrist in this end time scenario, there will be his spiritual advisor. There will be the one who's in charge of the religious end of that three-strand cord, the, pol the politics, the religion, and the commerce. Standing next to the Antichrist will be this religious leader. Um, if you're wanting to help get your mind around it, it would be the equivalent of his, his head imam or his head pope or his, his high priest. It's called the false prophet, this beast from the earth. Uh, the false prophet points everybody to the Antichrist the way the Holy Spirit points everybody to Jesus. And, man, this, Holy, this, this unholy spirit operates with fake signs, miracles, and wonders. Last week we talked about the two witnesses. Do you remember how they would kill people if they, if they were approached? Fire came out of their mouth? Cool stuff. What happens with this false prophet? Well, he uses fire too, just like Elijah. He calls fire down from heaven. Likely tries to pass himself off as Elijah. And that makes sense because we found out that the two witnesses are most likely Moses and Elijah or Enoch and Elijah. So this, holy, this unholy spirit shows up and he begins to do these incredible things just like God's people do. Again, once again, the counterfeit. He'll imitate the miracles of the two witnesses who will destroy their enemies by fire. You can find that in Revelation 11.5 and Revelation 13.13. 13. This, uh, this, this false prophet this beast from the earth will convince the world to worship the antichrist in fact he'll convince them to build this huge image of the antichrist and the the unholy spirit will will give it the ability to speak move animate it now uh, i don't know how that'll happen i don't know what that'll look like i think it'll be a on the temple mount in jerusalem and b i think everybody will see it i want to show you just a real quick video because i don't know what it will look like but i think this is it's pretty close uh in my mind and my imagination it could be the world this is from last may moving statue ever towering above us and above its predecessors monuments and memorials public art in all its forms has been around for centuries iconic must visit tourist attractions and we, this reporter included, just can't resist snapping selfies. Public art really allows us to engage with places in a new way. You know, people question, what is this? Why is it here? We discover new areas of our city. We get excited about the places where we live. It can also bring mega tourist dollars and support the local economy. On this side of the pond, a group of entrepreneurs are trying to fund an ambitious project to do just that. It's part statue, part business, part museum, part foundation, part gathering place, all somehow in one experience. I mean, it's gigantic and it's unusual and it's magnificent and it uses technology actually to celebrate humanity. It's a giant, more than 10 stories high, wrapped in an LED skin. It moves its head and its arms too. The designers say it's all about human potential and a greener future. The world has to change and the giant wants to be part of this change and inspire people to reach their full potential and help save this planet. Their goal put a colossal statue in 21 cities, each one highlighting the giants in their community. It's going to hook into the communities and it's going to offer something really positive and, and also something fun and also something inspiring. 
and no need to take a traditional selfie, the giant does it for you. And after the year we've all had, reconnecting locally and globally is exactly what we need. Now guys, the whole idea is that the giant, these giant statues will showcase giants in their communities. Well, we thought we would highlight and showcase one of the giants in ours. Take a look at this. It's Al on wow, the giant statue. Oh, I love it. I love <laughs> it. I've never seen you so tall. That's so yeah. cool. And then, or thin. So you're, on a do- so you're on a Doppler radar and yeah. now... That's a a little, I would I would go and visit that. I'd take a selfie Wait, with that oh, child. That's really cool. Yeah, that's except awesome. it doesn't exist. But that's the Antichrist. Hey Molly will make the image speak. I'm sorry, the beast of the earth will make the image speak. I don't know what it will look like, but this is pretty close in my imagination. This you know, this would fit the bill, Rich. Um but people will fall down and worship this thing. In fact, if you, it, Google, you can Google that story. If you replace the word giant in that, you put the word beast, it'll freak you out. People will worship the Antichrist. They'll worship the image of the Antichrist. It's all satanic worship. Every bit of it. He runs the religious end of the dragon's ruling powers. And there is an insignia with this system. And all, all, all great empires... Not, all empires have had this have had an insignia. Uh, the Nazis had the swastika. The communists had the sickle and hammer. Uh, I picked out the most offensive image I possibly could just to help you understand. Uh, uh, you know the, the 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 cross bars and you know the, there are all those colors. Everything in there from the swastika. All the, those are all symbols. Symbols mean something. Symbols are significant. Oh no, they don't preach. How many of y'all sick of seeing statues tore down, okay? Uh, I'm telling you, and some should have been, some shouldn't have been. It all, I mean, but, but the thing is, symbols, irregardless, symbols are significant. They mean something. And this mark will represent the Antichrist kingdom. And we know that it's 666 in some way. We, we don't understand what all that means. Uh, entire volumes of books have been written about on what the mark of the beast is. You can put different names. Adolf Hitler was a 666. Saddam Hussein was a 666. Barack Obama was a 666. But hold on, Ronald Reagan was a 666. We don't know. We just don't know. And, and that's, that's, that's fine with me. Um, we, we just don't know. Question, would it, change, would it change your day if you knew the name of the Antichrist? Would it change the way you... you Would it change your weekend? Would it change your afternoon? Would it change your week if you knew the literal name of the anti? It it could. You know, I I, I don't know. But um, we don't know what that trademark is, but six is significant. Six is the biblical number for man. Man was created on the sixth day. We are to work six days as people and rest on the seventh. Six is the number for man. Seven is the number for God. If Shalom had a number... It's seven. It means completion, wholeness, perfection, uh, being whole, things like that. Six is coming right below God. So this whole idea of 666, it's a symbol. It is a powerful symbol. Um, and the devil works with symbols. He works with that. If, if you've seen any of the recent artists and entertainers that are, and we, we mentioned this, that use demonic imagery in their art, um, y'all, these people ain't, Kiss ain't got nothing on these people, Okay. 
the people that, uh, that, that, that rocked and shocked uh, us, uh, they're lightweights with what we see now. It's blatant demonology. It's blatant portals to hell. Um, it's more audacious. So let's talk about the trademark of the beast. If you don't have the mark, some of y'all begin to yawn. I'll hurry. Uh, this mark, this trademark, will be required for commerce. If you want to travel, you've got to have the mark. You want to go to Cancun, you've got to have the mark. You want to get on a cruise, you've got to have the mark. Um, you want medical You want medical help, you've got to have the mark. You want to get into this restaurant, you got to, almost sounds like a daggum vaccine, don't it? I'm going to get into that in a second. You have to have this mark in order to, uh, to, do, to do anything. Uh, can you imagine what would happen if this... If the Antichrist government says, we will forgive your student loans if you take the mark. There will be a lot of people who wrestle with that. Or we will erase your, 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 your bad credit and we'll give you a good credit score. That's all you have to do. This mark, man, is power. This mark is powerful. It moves. It's you have to have it to own a gun, to own land. One of Israel's most respected Orthodox rabbis, he's dead now, and I wish I could remember where this quote was from. I read it in a Perry Stone book years ago. I don't remember the reference, but I'm sorry, but this was the gist of what this Orthodox rabbi said about Jesus, the Messiah. He said, if Jesus, Yahshua, is not the Messiah, then there's not one coming. In the Jewish mind, the way they think, what he's saying was, um, if he wasn't it, I don't see how in my mind there could possibly be a better option than this. I kind of feel that way with the current situation that, we're all, that we are in when we're talking about building the platform for the Antichrist. Government survey, hey, the, they don't need to bug us. The Antichrist won't need to bug us. I carry it with me. When's the last time you talked about chili hot dog casserole and then a daggum recipe for hot dog chili casserole shows up on your phone? You can't go some you can't go to some places if you don't have this card. You can't do this without that. Y'all what I'm saying, if if we're not seeing the platform built for the for the end time government, for the unholy trinity and the outpouring of the unholy spirit, then it's not going to happen. Using that same Jewish thought as they use for Jesus. If Jesus is the Messiah, then there's not one coming. Y'all, I can't see a better scenario for the implementation of the platform, the end times, than what we are in right now. Preacher, you could be wrong. I hope I am wrong. Because like the devil, we have short time. I would love to have more time to win people to Jesus. I just want you to know what's going on. Uh, I do have some thoughts on the approach and the belief about, uh, I have that same thought about the world right now. Think about what would be needed for that to happen. Technology would need to happen. Surveillance, governmental mandates, tracking, crippled economy, wars. Y'all, we're dealing with Ukraine, Russia, Syria, Egypt, Gaza, China right now. Uh, 
this is a great time for, for this to happen because the churches, they're weak and they're anemic. There's no strong good preaching in the Bible anymore. Uh, there's, there is a, a church, there, there's churches that are more concerned about their kingdom than the kingdom. Uh, churches are, shrink, are shrinking in relevance. We're shrinking in influence. It's hard to tell. There's not a whole lot of daylight in between the way a church member behaves and acts and believes and maybe a member from the Eagles. There's not a lot of daylight. And this would be a great time. If the devil had a plan, this would be a great time. What would happen tonight during the Super Bowl if uh, you found out that they were going to release the name and the location of the Antichrist? I'm probably going to watch. I'd be interested. I want to be aware. I want to be perspe uh, perceptive. I want to be alert about what's going on. Would a proper name and a location of Antichrist change things for you maybe the way you believe or the way you live or the way you embrace or the way you insert the way you serve um i i think that we need to be be paying attention whether they say his name tonight on the uh, super bowl or not because in these days brother you better know your scripture because there's a lot of confusion out there you better know your bible you better get in a little bit go to a church where the bible's preached And go to church. The church is the body of Christ. He's not coming back for anybody else but the church. Amen. Don't dismiss or be dismissive of the importance of the church because the church is eternally important to Jesus. Okay. Um, It's almost like today I give you every, everything but the Antichrist name. I told you it's going to be human. This is what he's going to do. This is, he's going to die, be resurrected. There's going to be some phony baloney stuff going on, some shenanigans. I wish I could give you the name today. But I've given you everything but the name. Back in 2006, this is a neat story. There was a rabbi by the name of, of uh, Kaduri, uh, K-A-D-U-R-I. He was born in 1898 in Baghdad. He is a uh, uh, Sephardic Orthodox Jew. And this dude grew up, he was sort of like the rising star among the rabbis. He moved to Palestine in 1922. Didn't become Israel till 47, 48. Uh, so this guy's crazy deep into Judaism. Um, back in 1990, uh, Rabbi Kaduri was with this other rabbi, and this, you know, he was a big muckety-muck, and the rabbi blessed Rabbi Kaduri and said, hey man, you're not going to die. And this is back in 1999, okay? You're not going to die until you see the Messiah. That's a blessing. That was a big deal. And it kind of reminded me of the story of how the Holy Spirit told Simeon in Luke's gospel that you won't die until you see the Messiah. It reminded me a little bit of that. And so, um, 16 years go by, and uh, the Messiah comes to this rabbi in a vision, and in this vision, this rabbi talks to the Messiah, this, and the Messiah gives this guy his name, and Rabbi Kaduri, he never published anything. He kept all of his, his writings for his students, his, his cohort. 
And he said, uh, I talked to the Messiah last night. He gave me his name. It's in my writing somewhere. He said, but here's the deal. After I die, go through my stuff, and a year later, go through it, and you can release it. So he died. A year later, 2007, they're going through Rabbi's notes and all of his writings, and they come across the note. Kaduri's disciples come across that handwritten note, and inside that note was the encrypted name of the Messiah. And in 2007, they released it. And this is what the, this is what the message read, and this is by an Orthodox Jew, and he gives the English trans, uh, translation. He says, the masses, and he's talking, he's talking about the Messiah. The masses will themselves arise and verify that Messiah's words and his teachings can stand. And he said, that's with my signature in the month of mercy, uh, Yitzhak Kaduri. And inside that note, he did put the name of the one who spoke to him in that vision. He wrote the name of the Messiah. Y'all, what would happen tonight that instead of giving the name of the Antichrist, what if they gave the name of the real Savior? The one who will bring real peace into conflict. The one that will bring wholeness into separation. The one that will bring redemption out of a fallen state. If you knew the name of the real Savior, would it change your day today? If you knew the name of the real Savior, would it change your tomorrow? If you knew the name of the real Savior, would it change the way you treat your wife or your husband or your kids? If you knew his name, y'all see where I'm going, don't you? Man, what if you had a proper name and a location of the Messiah? Would that change the way you believe or the way you embrace, the way you perceive, the way you, the way you do anything? Would it change it? I'd pay attention. I'd be aware. I'd be a little bit more perceptive. How many of y'all want to know what kind of name the rabbi put on that paper? Are you curious what the name was? Well, the Orthodox rabbi who said that he talked to the Messiah, this is what he wrote down. He wrote down the word Yehoshua. Yehoshua, which is the Hebrew for an Aramaic word. Yahshua, which is the Aramaic word for the English word, Jesus. I don't know what y'all amen about. I knew, I knew that back in 1978. I knew the name of the Savior. How about you? You don't have to wait for the name to be revealed to you. You've already been given the name. In fact, the Bible says there is salvation in no other name under heaven by which men are saved. There's no other name you need to know today other than Jesus. We have the name of the winner. We have the name of the victor. We have the name of the conquering king who rules and reigns forever. That name that we should be paying, to, uh, paying attention to and studying his kingdom, his name is Jesus and he's coming. You better be ready. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You know, I was rereading the I was re I was rereading the birth narrative this morning and it dawned on me.
When Jesus came the first time, there were thousands and thousands and thousands of people in that area of Bethlehem, in that area of Jerusalem and the greater, uh, and the greater area. And when Jesus was born, there were thousands and thousands and thousands that missed him. There's thousands and thousands and thousands that did not see him. But the ones who sought him out, they arrived there. The ratio, of, the ratio would have been thousands to one. Thousands who missed him and only a few who sought him. Now, if that was the last story I was going to tell you today, that's pretty depressing. But let me flip the script on you. Lots of people missed him, but 100% of the people who sought him found him. Everybody who sought Jesus found him. And my friend today, you may be here looking for him. There is a 100% chance that today if you're here looking for Jesus, you will find him. For all who seek me will find me. I don't know about you, man. That's a heck of a promise. Today, if you set your heart upon heaven, today, if you set your heart upon Jesus, today, if you set your eyes upon Jesus, you will see Him. You will find Him. For some of y'all, it's been a while since you've talked to Him. For some of a while, it's been a while since you've, you've seen Him. It's been a while since He's, he's walked with you hand in hand. Look for Him today because you can find Him. If you're if you're able, I'm going to ask you if you would just simply keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed and just stand to your feet. Hey, today, there's no doubt in my mind, I've given, you, I've given you more on your plate to say grace over. I know that there's a lot of detail in that. But my friend, you don't have anything to be scared about if Jesus is your Savior. In fact, if anything, you have reason to celebrate and sing and be joyful. My friend, if you don't know Jesus today, now's the time. Hey, and you know what, Christian? If you're here today and you've been, uh, you've been, you've been dragging, you've been dragging your feet. You've not been doing what you should. Your your spiritual disciplines are in the toilet. Hey, today's the day to come home. Today's the day to pick up the pace. Today's the day to rededicate. Today's the day to resurrender. This is it. You've got limited time. And because we've got limited time, let's press in as quick and as fast and as hard as we can. Almighty God, as we, as we uh, open up this invitation, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would touch people. I pray that you would move people. I pray that you would call people to a fresh commitment, a fresh start, a new beginning in their walk. That, Lord God, they would go deeper and they would go further and they would press in closer to you. For, Lord, we know your name. And, God, what an honor it is to know that you know our name. Whew. Thank you for knowing our name, Lord every head is bowed and every eye is closed in a moment we're going to uh, we're going to sing that old song turn your eyes upon Jesus but today if you would like to just kind of run to the altar if you would like to go to the altar and say Lord I want you I want to live for you and I dedicate myself to you then in a moment I'm just going to ask you to come Lord God I pray that you would bless this time call who you want to call today Speak to who you want to speak. And Father God, I pray that we would be obedient and listen to you. In Jesus' precious holy name, I pray. And amen.
Would you sing with me this great old song of the church? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? Would you come this morning? Anybody want to come this morning? come there's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free would you come would you come thank you Rhonda turn your eyes upon Jesus is coming. Are you ready? Jesus is coming. Are you ready? He's coming. Are you ready? In the light of His glory. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. People continue to pray. Hey, we won't extend it. We won't extend it a whole lot longer if nobody else comes forward. But I, I don't. I, I don't know if God's done working with people. I don't know. If, I don't know what God's doing right now. I ain't got a good read on it. But I'm going to tell you what, man. If he's messing with you, if he's dealing with you, if he's saying, how come you're not down there? Then I promise you, you're not going to be content. You're not going to be happy. There's going to be things in your life that God wants to do that are going to be left undone because you've said no today. The journey starts here. We're going to do one more verse. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. Anyone else? Hey, Ben. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you, Russ. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? All heads bowed, all eyes closed, no one looking around. Oh, today, if you seek Him, you'll find Him. That's not Mike's promise. That's a promise from God. And here's the thing. If you tell Him no now and there's a rapture today, you won't be able to tell Him yes afterwards. Because today, you've been given the name by which people are saved. Today, you've been given the name by which salvation has come. Today, you've been given the name that is above all names. Jesus. You will stand without excuse. You will stand without, without any, without anything. Now is the time to follow Him. Now is the time to say yes. And today, maybe you've never heard that Jesus loves you, died for you on the cross, wants to have a relationship with you. Today, if you don't know if you would go to heaven if you would die, you don't know if you would go to heaven if that trumpet blew and the church was raptured. And you want to be sure. My friend, you're, the Bible says for all of sin is fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says that God has sent His only begotten Son for us. And whoever believes in Him will never perish but will have everlasting life. Today, if you would like to confess you're a sinner and embrace Jesus as your Savior, committing your life to Him and discipleship to follow Him, would you pray with me? Almighty God, I am a sinner in desperate need of forgiveness. Forgive me, Jesus, for my sin. You died for me on the cross in my place. 
so I could be redeemed, so I could be saved, so I could live with you forever. Jesus, I profess you as my Savior, and I ask for your forgiveness. You are my Lord. Come into my life. Have relationship with me. Be my friend and my Savior and my Lord and my God. Lord God, as you lived and died for me, I will live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Oh, friend, today, if you made that decision, maybe you've made that decision a long time ago, but today was the day that you reaffirmed it. Would you simply raise your hand? Let me know, let me know where you stand. Amen. Amen. God took care of business up in here today. God is so good. Amen. He is so great. Lord, we love you. As we press in, Father, even closer, as we press in with worship, I pray that we would use this time right now, Lord, to tell you about what we learned about you today. Father, to reflect this and reframe this back to you in worship. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. And amen.